Welcome back, everyone. Hola, hola. Welcome back to Sazón y Corazón. I am Ayana, your host, and I am joined today by Zach. And we're laughing a little bit in the background because we tried recording this on a different platform, and that platform failed us. So <laughs> we're going to make this feel natural as possible since we already recorded the first 10 minutes, but I just got to keep it real with y'all. It's, you know, it's a trial and error. Um, Sazón y corazón means seasoning and heart for those who don't speak Spanish. I say that because Zach doesn't speak Spanish and he is the first uh, non-person of color on the podcast. So no pressure, Zach. <laughs> Tell the people who you are. Yeah, um, my name is Zach. I am, as you told everybody, white. Um, I've been uh, I've been in uh, HR for about ten years. That's how I met Ayana. We were coworkers. Uh, became uh, became pretty good friends. Uh, as we'll talk about, you know, some trial and error in there. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, heart of Amish country, with my wife and my dog, Beasley. Beasley was the best coworker I've ever had. Um, she would randomly like open Zach's door and stuff, and I'd be like, "Oh, who was that?" <laughs> She's the absolute best. She is my best friend, mainly because working from home, I spend twenty four hours a day with her every day. So you get to become pretty close. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty great. Um, and there's this whole thing with like when there's a storm, you got to go with her just because she doesn't like the storm, right? Yeah, we have to uh, drive her around uh, in the car during all <laughs> all thunderstorms because she can't handle the thunder no, without being in the I car. Can't. And um, Beasley's a dog. Let's remember this. Um, I, I laugh because people usually do this with their kids. <laughs> Zach does it with his dog, um, which is so priceless. But um, like you mentioned before, Zach and I have worked together before. We used to work for the same company. We both work in the same field, which is HR. I'm pretty open about that. Um, but that's where we overlapped. And um, that is why I know that he and I have a lot of similarities and that we come to the table with a lot of the same thoughts. Uh, but not without some resistance. I was the first one to judge Zach, like, nah, he's not going to get it. I can't open up. I got a code switch with this guy. I can't say certain things, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, he surprised me. He gets it. And he, you know, is down for the conversation, um, uh, you know, with a lot of topics. Um, but I feel like a lot of the things that we really bonded over, we'll, we'll chat about today. But um, that being said... Can you tell us about your mental health journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been anxious my entire life. Uh, I do not remember really a day in my life that I haven't been anxious. Uh, but, you know, kind of as far back as I can remember, uh, middle school, high school, it wasn't until really um, my mom brought it to my attention that, um, you know, I seemed more anxious than I should be, noticed some signs of depression, um, asked if, uh, you know, if I was doing okay, if I wanted to go talk to somebody. And, you know, prior to that, I just thought everybody felt that way, constantly anxious, didn't want to do anything because of their anxiety, but uh, come to find out that's not the case. And um, yeah, I started talking to somebody. It was my first real time in therapy. Ended up only going to a few sessions, but I loved it, um, really helped. 
Um, and, and shortly after that, though, went to college and uh, stopped that. And the anxiety, depression really picked up more in college. I wasn't seeing anybody, wasn't, hadn't tried any medication at that point. Um, and it really wasn't until after college where I was like, you know what, I need to get, uh, get my life together with this, controlling my life too much. And um, it's been a journey of finding it, you know, working with different therapists, different physicians, psychiatrists, and still an ongoing journey. You know, I know we're near the end of that journey, but I do think I've gotten better. Uh, but there's been ups and downs through the entire time and a lot of, uh, a lot of low lows uh, with some pretty good highs as well. And I think it's all about trying to find that balance and uh, working on that every day. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all? Lord have mercy. <laughs> uh, we laugh because we send each other TikToks and stuff like about our mental health. We're like, oh, we should probably talk to somebody about that. <laughs> um, you mentioned that your mom was the one that introduced the idea of therapy and, and going to talk to somebody. And I really just wanted to sit in that for a second because our stories are so different in that specific aspect. Um, most of us who, um, you know, come from marginalized communities tend to have it the other way around where we're the ones having to figure out, like, if it's a thing, can we seek therapy? Will our parents, you know, freak out or will they be supportive? Um, and I just, you know, that's, we, we have the relationship to where I could tell you that's privilege, right? Like that in itself, being able to to have family who who's supportive and you know help you through that instead of like questioning why the hell you're trying to talk to somebody when you can just push through um is very different and I think it's it makes a big impact especially when people are already in such a fragile state you know what I mean just never know like some, yeah. something like that could really make a break um people so i just wanted to point that out that not everybody has the same journey there there are privileges and places where we don't tend to think there are um but with your mom being the one that that opened it up for you how has your mental health impacted your relationship with your family yeah you know i think because of that because of that's how i got started um uh, i think it's been nothing but a positive because I think a lot of what came with my anxiety was probably not wanting to do anything about it because going to do something about it would cause me to be anxious about that. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think that just kind of opened up the fact that, you know, I could talk about it. And even though it wasn't something that we we talked about often in my family, just because it, it just, I don't know, didn't come up or really not until I was showing these signs of, okay, maybe Zach needs uh, to get some some help with these things. But Ever since then, you know, it's something that um, I'm very open about with them and, and really anybody uh, who, who asks or want to hear about it. You know, I think <laughs> it's still way, way too stigmatized today. Um, I will talk about the challenges that I face with, with my mental health, and um, I, I encourage others to as well um, if, if they want to, because I think it's just the, the best way to make it not as taboo. Um, but yeah, with my, with my brothers and sisters, you know, if they're going through a tough time, I'll suggest therapy to them, whether they, they take it up or not, you know, I don't know, but, um, yeah. you know, I think, I think everybody should go to therapy, whether you're mentally, uh, insanely strong or you're dealing with a lot of stuff. I think it can just help you in so many ways. And, um, my family kind of knowing what I'm going through at different times, because I am open about it, I think helps them kind of understand where I'm coming from. Doesn't excuse things. If I say something, I don't know, but. I 
shouldn't have said or whatever that may be, but there's a little bit more understanding there and it's a little bit easier to kind of come back and, you know, call myself on it and say like, look, I wasn't feeling the best, but I still shouldn't have said something like that. So there's that kind of back and forth and that openness about it, which has been really helpful. Yeah. There's empathy and there's, yeah. it's almost like you have the language to articulate it versus, you know, there were some things, especially like when I was going through certain things that I didn't have the language and was also not necessarily open about going to therapy until I was much further along in my journey. Um, and so there was a little bit of a rift with, you know, my family. And then I was on a journey of like learning how to set boundaries and learning what triggered me, especially in my core family unit um, and changing some of those relationships up. So it was hard. It was hard to be able to go through that and also maintain a healthy relationship with my family at the time because they didn't necessarily understand or weren't open to it. Um, but I'm glad to hear that, you know, you're, you're able to find that space with your family and have that self-awareness. And we're like, you know, I may go to therapy for these things, but that doesn't excuse, you know, X behavior or, or whatever. Like we're not here to, you know, give people a pass. We're holding each other accountable and, and have self-awareness. But, um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about work. Um, I think you and I are very similar in that we like to work a lot <laughs> um, and we, we invest in so, ourselves in it so much. So how do you balance your personal mental health struggles and your journey with a demanding work life? Yeah, I think that is something that I continue to work on. That's, that's very difficult. You know, if I'm in a good mental health space, uh, I'm a lot more productive. I'm able to kind of focus on nothing but work and um you know we we both do work a lot so that really is helpful when you can really focus on work but uh unfortunately that's not the case all the time and i think it's a lot of the you know kind of cognitive behavioral therapy that i've i've done has really helped me a lot in that way to really be able to take a step back and more i don't know factually or like look look at the things i'm doing and that i'm saying and that i'm feeling and be able to say, okay, you know what, you're feeling this way. It's not about what you're currently doing. Let's set that aside. Let's finish what you're doing. You have a thing you need to do. You have people counting on you at work. And then we'll come back to that. And, you know, maybe you need to schedule another therapy session or maybe, um, you know, need to write in a gratitude journal. I don't know what that looks like, but, you know, take that time away from work to be able to take care of that, but make sure you're focusing on work too. Um, yeah, it's not always easy. And work does suffer at times, but I think um, having a supportive uh, you know, we worked on the same team. We had a very supportive leader uh, on our team that really allowed us that space. And I think that's something that uh, I know for me personally, I think for you too, uh, as we grow in our careers and, you know, we've, we've moved on to different companies, um, you know, we want to lead in that way too, is to give people that space because it's very difficult to show up every day at work. Give it, give it your all when you have other things going on, especially within mental health. So yeah, I'm working on it every day. I'm very fortunate to have, um, to have had really strong leaders and really, empathetic coworkers that have been able to allow me to have that space. But yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a journey. Yeah. And Beasley agrees because she was barking in the background. She was praising your response. <laughs> um, so I agree, Beasley. She hears my struggles all the time. That's who I'm talking to when I'm talking <laughs> to myself. It's, it's to her. It's since Loki to the dog. 
<laughs> um, you mentioned our fearless leader that we had in common. Um, that leader will be on this podcast soon. So, you know, we'll, we'll tie that together and I'll make sure that she hears the, her flowers because she deserves it. Um, but you mentioned being empathetic coworkers and being able to talk to each other. And I just want to, I want to reflect on that for a second because I have experienced both right where our team, especially when we, when we were working together, we could, we could just say, Hey, disclaimer, like I'm not feeling my best or I'm going through X, Y, Z or certain world event is impacting me. I'm going to take a step back or, you know, I just need some space or whatever it is. And I've been on quite the opposite where like, no one knows what the hell I'm thinking or what's going on in life. And they just think that, you know, I'm, being the angry Latina in the office and having some attitude. Um, And I think that's really important. Like, I really think people, there's this perception that mental health and work are two separate things. Uh, You can't just leave your mental health on the side and be like, hey, I'll pick you up after work. Like you show up with it. And I think it's, it makes such a big difference to be able to vocalize, like, I don't, I didn't say like maybe every single detail of the stuff that I was going through, but I at least let you know, like, Hey, I'm carrying this with me today. And I just need a little bit of grace or it's going to take me a little bit. It's just, it's just like being able to articulate what I need and advocate for myself in that, in that point. And then also extending that to others who, who also, you know, are really empathetic um, is super important and it changes the experience. Um, and I think you and our leader at the time as well did a, such a good job on creating that environment that not a lot of managers do um, because it's they think that, oh, that's home life. That has nothing to do with work or whatever, but that it has everything to do with work. It has everything to do with how you're going to produce, like you said, like, you know, on whatever thing that you need to push out before XYZ deadline and, you know, just all of these things. Um, but yeah, I it, it I just could go on a rant because I I hear that all the time and I'm like I can't leave my luggage at the door. Like my mental health is always going to be with me and it also impacts like the way I receive feedback, the way that we have difficult conversations. You and I have also been in that predicament where we're having a difficult conversation and I wasn't ready to receive it and I'm like, "Oh hell no, Zach." <laughs> and we had to step away from it and come back to it. Um, and that's a real thing, especially when we were talking about like you being able to, you know, be successful. Um, yeah, I just, I had to harp on that because it's really important to me and really personal. Um, so yeah, because I, I know you, oh, go ahead. Just add one more thing on that. I think because we were open and able to have those conversations or let, let each other know how we're feeling, let us know how we're feeling yeah, we had those difficult conversations and we had to say we need, we need to step away, we needed time, but because we had like worked towards that relationship, that openness and that trust that allowed us to say, okay, yeah, this is not the right time to have this conversation. I'm not in the headspace for this conversation. Let's pause it. Let's come back to it. And then we did and we worked out. It was productive at that point. And I think yeah. that is, yeah, that's just so invaluable when you're trying to, to work with somebody and, and build trust, especially in like a remote setting. You, like I've never met you in person. But yeah. I, I trust you um, as much as I trust anybody. And that's because we've built those, that relationship over time through being open and, and honestly vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big piece. Like 
it did not happen overnight. I think it happened pretty quick just because of the, like the amount of work that we did together. But I think it's important for people to understand like that doesn't happen like right away. You can't just right out the gates, you know, start managing a person and be like, so tell me about your mental health. I really want to know what makes you tick. (laughs) That's not how it works. Don't do that. (laughs) Um, But over time you build that relationship and you build that trust. And it did take a lot of vulnerability, especially because like, we didn't know each other. We didn't know if it was going to be safe to be, you know, saying certain things and whether or not you, you know, hold that between us or go flapping it out to the world that, you know, Ayana's unstable or some shit. I'm not, but (laughs) (laughs) you just don't know. And I think that resonates with a lot of people because you don't often understand someone's perceptions about mental health and what that looks like until they say something about it or if they act a certain way and you're kind of gauging like okay this isn't a safe space or you know maybe that's not the right person for me to talk to um these things about so keeping up a great point um but uh i i've got to switch a little bit i know you pretty well at this point and you tend to have a lot on your plate and seeking different projects and always you know doing the most (laughs) so have you figured out like why you keep yourself so busy that's a great question uh no i i I have no idea and there's times (laughs) like right now where i've uh you know taken a break on some things because it, it was too much and i overextended myself too much and you know, I'm fortunate to, to be able to, to do that and pause on some things that are, you know, not, not professional things, but um, other things that are taking up my time. And I think it's being able to recognize when you're burnt out uh, and being able to do that, but why I keep myself so busy. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it takes away the time to sit there and think about things and uh, you know, mm. it can suppress that, it can suppress that anxiety a little bit because you don't have time to think about it 24 uh, seven. Not oh, the shit. healthiest thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> not not the healthiest thing to do, but are uh, you calling me out? You. <laughs> yeah, you, you take on more than anybody I know, so um, <laughs> I should probably be asking you that question. Um, oh, but yeah, it keep, keeping yourself busy keeps your mind uh, a little bit away from things, which yeah, definitely tend to do. I am guilty. I'll admit it. I am guilty. Yeah, uh, I do the same. Where like I don't like to sit with some things um for a long time and so i'm always finding some stuff to do and people think oh my god you're doing amazing or in the back of my head i'm like your girl is tired i don't want to be doing anything at this this point in time um but i do i do um you know and i'm proud to say that now i'm being very intentional on the things that i take on like you said like we think we both hit burnout right around the same time where we're like this isn't working <laughs> we gotta figure something out um now I'm only taking on things that like bring me joy and that I enjoy to do like I don't get paid to do this podcast like I'm not getting any sponsorships although if anybody wants to sponsor me, please go ahead um you know I don't I'm not doing it for any like monetary reasons I truly enjoy like having these conversations and I think I wasn't getting that in other spaces so I was like I'm gonna create my own space I'm gonna keep doing this you know on my time um and 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 you know some of the other things that I'm that I'm up to, I'm also doing it for that reason. And I feel a lot more empowered to be like, I can't take this on right now. I don't have the bandwidth. 
you know, whether that's other people expecting me to do like emotional or intellectual labor, I'm like, I can't take that on. I already have too much, which I was awful at saying before, <laughs> where I would just like dive into work and all the things, um, you know, in hopes of just like finding some kind of fulfillment. And I wasn't. And I think it was because I just, it wasn't bringing me joy. Yeah, we've had, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about that. And I think that's one thing that I have trying to take from you and to learn from you and, and how you do that and really focusing your energy on things that you want to be doing. Um, you know, in whatever, anyone's career, there's ways to try to advance yourself, whether it's taking on different projects, schools, certifications, anything like that. Um, they're all great, but you know, you also have to focus on the things that you want to be doing as well. And, um, you know, I've seen you go from, you were very open about it, but just taking on too much and see, then seeing you start to say no to things. And that's such a critical skill that not a lot of people have. I'm not the best at it. And it's something that I'm trying to work on because just in, you know, our conversations over the last few months, I've just seen a shift in your joy, your happiness. You're doing these things you want to be doing. And you can tell from, from our conversations and I don't know, seen you on LinkedIn, wherever, you know, you're, you're out there. It's just a, a completely different type of energy that you have. And it's really cool to see. And it's something that uh, I need to get better at. And definitely, like I said, learning from you in that area. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate you saying that because it's taken a lot of work to get here and um, you know, it's not come without blood, sweat and tears, <laughs> literally. Um, but I will say like, if, like, like just find like it's it's a feeling if if it sits well then go for it if it doesn't then respectfully decline you're like not nah, that does that vibe does not sit well with me and I'm gonna move beyond it you know what I mean and I'm not saying that just to be funny but it literally has improved my mental health you know I I took a a pretty good hiatus uh from therapy and I think the only reason why I've been able to manage is because I was really intentional on shifting what I was taking on and you know being able to talk to people like you like you know our former team and some of the other folks um that I trust in my inner circle um and that's important and I and I'm, I'm you know I run work and recognize that I didn't do it on my own like you were a big part of that and some other folks in my in my circle have been, you know, a great part of that and being allies and being supportive and really, you know, showing up for me and, you know, helping me while I was learning that. Um, so I'm here for you. <laughs> hey, you, uh, you, you're, like we talked about, you're both are but you're very vulnerable and you share and that helps the rest of us learn. I mean, that helps us see, yeah, you're going through these things. I think that we're going through might not be identical, but the ways that you can navigate them are, can be similar. And the ways you, the tools you use, the ways you, the ways you cope can be similar. And, um, you know, I think through that vulnerability, it allows me, I can speak for myself to see that whole process that you're going through and to see you, like you said, blood, sweat, and tears, you put the effort in. It didn't just happen. Um, yeah. but now you're in this position where you've put that effort in, you've been intentional about what you're doing, what you're taking on. And, it's made a like true impact in your your mental health and uh just your overall happiness and i think that's just so so important to to like focus on that because only you can control that only you can say no to stuff only you can say yes to stuff um and if you don't 
look out for yourself. No, nope. I mean, other people are, but you have to make those decisions for yourself because uh, no one else is going to do that for you. So yeah, it's 1, been really cool to see and uh, something I, I continue to work on and we'll keep talking to you about so you can, uh, can help guide <laughs> me on that journey. Yeah, no, nah, I'm 1000%. I'm always here for you and I'm always, you know, conscious of offering up some of those tips and tricks that have worked for me, especially for people who are listening who may not have gone to therapy or are still figuring it out or finding other methods of healing, right? Like therapy isn't the only thing that works, but um, who are still on that journey. Um, but I did mention that I couldn't do it without allies. Um, one of the most impactful lessons that I learned from our former leader is that sometimes allies are going to, let me make sure I'm saying this right. She learned this from one of her leaders, so I'm trying to make sure that I really honor it, is that sometimes sometimes allies don't look the way that you think they will. And I said at the beginning that I definitely judge you for being this white male who <laughs> wasn't going to get it because he was from Amish country and had like funny farming memes. <laughs> Um, but it's worked out, especially since we both, you know, have come to the table and been vulnerable. So how have you navigated this space of wanting to be an ally, particularly for those of us who are BIPOC, um, and, and being able to show up authentically while being supportive? Like how, how have you done that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, I think the first thing this is yeah, it's difficult to like articulate because it's it, you know it's um, I think it is being a little bit intentional about it in the way and yeah, I learned this from you. You you know it's not it's my responsibility to learn. It's my responsibility to do the work to put the work in. Um, and you were very open to like you know answer any questions I had, but it wasn't your job to teach me um, these things and to to explain it all to me and I think that was really I don't know like eye-opening like you have to put in the work you have to um yeah you can you know I don't know retweet things or post things or <laughs> put signs in your yard but like if you're not if you're not listening and you're not willing to learn and you're not you know acknowledging that it's not about you like in this case me like nothing to do with me um I just want to to create the space for those conversations to happen and to learn um, and to to speak up when when I can. You know, um, you mentioned it in the beginning, I believe. You know, talking about privilege and um, when you have the opportunity to to say something or to do something, um, you know, you should use that privilege to do that. Um, and you know, that's it's. It's it's a, it's again it's a, it's a journey. I I'm continuing to try continuing to try to learn how to be um, the best or a better ally um, and to be supportive. And I think a lot of that too is is like I mentioned earlier, like owning your mistakes, being uh, able to say like, yeah, you know, I I messed that up. I said that, and that's not I should you know I shouldn't have said it that way. Like that's my bad. That's not what I meant, but I said it that way. Here's what I was trying to articulate. And, you know, being, again, vulnerable to, to admitting that and to, again, when you make that mistake, it's still not about you. It's, it's, it's not about you. you. You apologize. You move on. It's not about you still. And I think, um, yeah, there's been a lot of work on that and it continues to be. And 
Um, yeah, I think that's the best way I can summarize it. Um, and I, I do, I, you know, I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, I give you a lot of credit for that. Uh, but at the same time, it's not your job to teach me that. So yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing to describe, I think. Yeah. That's a true story, by the way. Um, Zach and I went through something together around the same time where my community, women of color and black people were really hurting and it was, it was tough to show up and, you know, Zach, you know, we just hopped on a car and was like, Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, what can we do about this? And I was just really, I was just really honest. Like I wasn't honestly thinking about like being strategic on what I was going to tell Zach. I was like, look, I'm tired. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. And it's also not my job to educate, i.e. white people or anyone who's privileged in that particular situation, why this is so impactful. And um, I recognize that I specifically had privilege in that situation because I wasn't scared to lose my job for saying that. I wasn't scared of any kind of um, retaliation or whatever. I knew I was in a safe space to tell that to Zach. Um, But I also think it's important for other people to hear, like, you might hear that sometimes. You might hear some tough shit and you might have to swallow it and be like, I got to sit with that. I have to really assess like what that means for me in this moment and how I'm going to move with this information because sometimes you might be in the wrong and people don't want to tell you or, you know, they're, they're doing, you know, self-preservation and not telling you something about yourself because they don't feel like spending that energy on you. And so I just really want people to be conscious of that. Like, you you can make mistakes too, but you can also correct it. Um, and like Zach said, it's not about you all the time. It's about the impact that you have on a particular community or a particular person or, or what have you. So um, just think about that, right? Like it's, it's never going to be perfect, but we can continue to have these conversations and continue to move forward. Um, you know, and I'll be the first to say like, I didn't, I didn't want to be at the table with white people. I, I used to be super angry and super frustrated but then I thought to myself, well, if we're going to be having these situations, we might as well talk about it. We might as well come to the table and, and try to fix it instead of getting stuck in that hole where we're always angry and we're always tired of what's going on. Um, but it took it took a lot of time for me to get there. So I don't, I don't want people to think that I just woke up one day and decided to do that. But um I've mentioned white people in my <laughs> responses a couple times and you being of the community, I would like to hear from you. What do you wish white people did better? Oh man. Um, yeah, I think we talked about it. Listening is one, doing the research, learn, like figure it out. Um, it, there's, there's plenty of resources out there. Um, and I, I, you know, but, more than that, maybe not more than that, but like I said, listening and I, and I mean, listening and like accepting it as truth, you know, you don't have the same lived, like we don't have the same lived experiences. And if you're telling me your experience or someone telling me their experience from, you know, from a marginalized community, like I need to take that as fact. That's, I, I can't challenge it. I can't say, oh, well, yeah, but maybe they just thought about it wrong. Like that is, 
their experience. And I think there's a little bit, there's a lot, there's too much of that, that uh, attitude of, well, yeah, you know, I, I get what they're saying, but no, I mean, what, what you're hearing is, is fact and the way they're experiencing it. And I think there's not enough of that because with that, accepting that as fact comes empathy, comes understanding. And um, again, that should force you or make you want to go and do that research. And by doing that research, you become more educated. And by becoming more educated, you understand how to stand up, how to make a difference, how to support individuals in those communities. I just think it's a, it's a long process and people need to be willing to do it. Um, and I don't think there's enough of that. Uh, I'm, I'm by no means perfect at it, uh, but it's something that I do care about and want to continue to get better at. And, um, and like I said, you, uh, you taught me that I need to teach myself. And, um, I think that was <laughs> I so a, did. <laughs> that's such a, uh, such a good, uh, such a valuable lesson because, uh, it should not be on anybody else. It should be on us as white people to, to put in that effort and to, um, to put in the effort to understand it and how to make change. Yeah, there's a couple of things that stand out at me when you say that. The first one is you don't necessarily need to invalidate someone's feelings because of, you know, your preconceived uh, perceptions of what that person should or shouldn't feel. Like, it is okay to validate, like, the impact on that person. And I told this to some some pretty... Uh, significant leaders in that good intent does not negate impact so you could be the 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 best meaning person in the world but that doesn't change the way that your actions impact other people and it could be hard to accept that that impact is negative and that it causes negative feelings and that is the the distinction there right like just because you had good intentions doesn't mean it made me feel good um so that's one the other is you know I also took ownership in that conversation that you're talking about that you were willing to go out and do the work and and research and learn but then I also had to be able to be willing to come back and have that conversation after you were willing to learn Um, and that's the piece that I think sometimes gets you know misunderstood that like you know, let's say you go and read something or you heard something and you're like, hey, I, you know, was listening to this podcast and I wanted to talk to you about it and something, and you know, something really resonated with me. Can we talk about it? That is okay with me versus, uh, hey, what does the impact of the 13th Amendment have on, you know, Black men in particular um, in the injustice system. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna teach you that. <laughs> you could go watch Thirteenth um, by Ava DuVernay on Netflix, and feel free, we can talk about it. Um, you know, I think a lot of the times I was really reserved in terms of like some real hard shit happened, and I didn't want to talk about it at all. But we don't make any progress that way, and I think it's okay for me to say you know, after you've done the work, then we can come back and talk about it. And we can talk about our lived experiences in a way that's authentic and respectful of each of our identities and still move forward and understand how to have a supportive relationship, um, you know, without me feeling like, damn, I always got to teach Zach something, or I always got to teach this white person something. You know what I mean? 
Um, so that, that those are really big things for me personally. I obviously can't speak for for all people of color, but those are those are super important. Um, you've one thing. Go ahead. Just wanted to add one thing. I know it's gonna be weird because we keep saying <clears throat> our leader, our uh, former leader. Uh, <laughs> but <clears throat> you know, one thing that she uh, impressed upon me too is, you know, it's like privilege privilege exists. We're talking about like it, it it exists. So if you're in a position of privilege, use that privilege. Like I said, stand up and and do something about it. Say something and. It's not about being, uh, again, it's not about you. It's not about being a, you know, uh, what's a white savior complex. Like you mm-hmm. get out of that. It's not about that. It's about using that, that, that level or area of privilege to speak for those who are marginalized and <clears throat> who aren't getting that fair shot to do so. And, um, you know, that's, uh, something I'm trying to figure out how to do and, um yeah it might be for people like yeah but I don't want to stand up and get myself in trouble like I don't know you're in a position you have privilege you should use it and you know if you want to have an impact I just think it's so important to do that um but learn about it first understand it first so you can make as big of an impact as possible and try to try to do what you can to push change in some way yeah yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I'm actually reading um, this book. It's called The Wake Up um, by Michelle Mijun Kim. It's so good. I highly recommend it. Um, one of the things that she mentions in the book is that this work cannot always be focused on sacrificing for other people. And by that, I mean, like, you have to have, like, a personal why for showing up, for supporting, et cetera, et cetera. And like one of the points that she made is like, you know, men can support women in, you know, in their journey to gain rights and and be supportive and, you know, demolishing the patriarchy because that same system, you know, perpetuates that men have to be cold and hard and have to suffer in silence. You know what I mean? Like, so it's thinking about things like that, that, you can hold space for both at the same time. You're helping others who are completely different identities than you, but it also helps you and your immediate world. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I used to think about that too, right? Like, oh, I got to do it for everybody else. But then at a certain point, you'd be like, well, that's too much of a sacrifice. Or mm, I don't know if I really want to, you know, risk my time. Um, but like you said, it, it's important to recognize like we have privilege in certain spaces and it's, there's a tactful way of doing that um, without, you know, compromising what's valuable to you, but also, you know, understanding that you have something to to stand up for. So it's something I'm working on too, um, especially as like I've moved on officially into inclusion work and like how do we how do we show up as ourselves, support other communities, but still feel grounded in why we're doing it? Um, it's very complex. And yes, it's touchy-feely sometimes. Um, but there are some some real data points behind why it's important to do the work. So I say that to say is like, find your why. Find your why. Figure out what's important to you. Why you feel like you need to speak up for other communities. 
and just be ready to learn and be prepared to step into some stuff where it might feel uncomfortable. Uh, but you got to move past the uncomfortable to then learn and grow, uh, which is really important. So uh, question for you. What would you tell, and I'm being very specific here, what would you tell white cisgender males out there who want to be allies but don't know how? You've touched on it a little bit, um, but what, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I keep saying it, but I do think it, it comes back to putting in the effort and putting in the work because, you know, you can, like you said, you can be outraged. You can, I don't know, yell at whoever you want to yell at, but what good are you doing if you're not coming from a place of knowledge about it, about how you can make a difference? And like you said, making it, finding your why behind it. I think if you don't put that effort in, you're, it's, you're just, you're, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're, you're going to probably, I don't know, cause more harm than good. Um, but if you put the effort in, you take the time to learn, you listen, um, you understand, I don't just want to keep repeating my previous answers, but you understand that people's experiences are their experiences and that's how they really feel. And that's how things are impacting them. Then you can start to move towards, okay, well, how can I help? How can I support? How can I use my position of privilege to make a difference or to step up for somebody or speak out for somebody, you know, whatever it is. But I think just coming, coming at it without that knowledge or without putting the effort in uh, just isn't going to work. And you have to want to put that effort in. So it goes back to the why, why do you want to do it? You want, you want to put that effort in um, to, to be supportive, to I don't know, ensure equity, to uh, you mentioned you're in the uh, inclusion space now to to focus in that area. I mean, like you have to want to to put that effort in. You have to put the effort in for it to make a difference. I think, and I think that would be that's something that you know I've tried to do. And you know, prior to that, yeah, I was uh, outraged at these injustices that you see and hear about. But um, that's just so surface level, and that's when you're posting things on Facebook and putting I don't know if I said putting a sign in your front yard. Like, yeah, yeah, you oh think you're gosh. making a difference. But it's like, you know, no, like that's what, wh how are you helping in that way? And um, I think that's, that's, that's what I would say. That's what I'm trying to do for myself. Um, so I, I, you know, I think that's what's been most, most helpful for me. Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And I, I will say that uh, <laughs> those of us who are people of color can tell, we can tell when it's genuine, when people are putting in the work and when it's just lip service. Um, and, and that can be sometimes more damaging because we feel like people have this false sense of understanding, like, or this false sense that they're, they're helping, but they're really not. Um, and they're contributing to the, to the issue, right? Like, you're like, oh, um, I don't know, a random example off the top of my head, like saying something on LinkedIn, but then you're still supporting businesses who, you know, contribute to um, the school prison pipeline or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, you really got to assess your personal situation and be like, all right, how can I make a difference? Right. Like you and I have talked about, you you know, we've talked about like, hey, what are some organizations I can go protest with? Or what are some of the things that I can do, you know, to actually show up um, and, and do more than just be like, I support you. I'm like, ah, all right cool but your prayers don't help me <laughs> um i need you to help me change the system uh, is really where it's at um 
but um, no, those are all really, really great points. But I have the most serious question that I'll ask in this interview, and that is, what is the best thing about working with me other than my celebrity connection? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that is, oh my God, I could do a whole podcast on how great it is to work with you. Um, but for real, uh, you know, I think a big part of it is your, in this, this goes for any any topic. Your your willingness to to have conversations, whether it's uh, about a a serious issue like the things we're talking about, or an HR thing that we're trying to deal with, trying to fix something that's not right with the company we're working at. Like you you put in the time. You're open. You're vulnerable. You're willing to have those conversations. They're not always the easiest. Um, so I really appreciate that because it's very difficult to make any progress in any area with people who aren't uh, open and willing to listen or, or try and change. Um, you work at a pace that I've never seen before. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you accomplish uh, so much. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about this when we work together, but, um, and I've told you many times, you're going to do huge things because you are, you're just a force. Um, and, you know, it sounds like I'm kind of sucking up to you at the, uh, <laughs> at, at the end of this, but really, I mean, I, I do, I miss working with you because of how much, how much you get done and how, how good your work is. Uh, but I think just more importantly, um, you are a genuinely good person. You care about people. Um, you want people in your surroundings to be happy, to feel heard, to be comfortable, uh, to be comfortable being themselves. I mean, we've had conversations about that, uh, you know, being comfortable being yourself and um, not getting down on yourself and, you know, I'm talking about you telling this, these things to me, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, you, that's what you do for people is you remind them of those things. And, um, not a lot of people, especially in the workplace are willing to go out on a limb and say those things and do those things for people. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you are one of the best people I've ever worked with. And, uh, I definitely hope, to, hope to work with you again. Uh, you know, <laughs> as soon as possible. I didn't pay him to say that, by the way. He's just really being <laughs> honest. Um, <laughs> and I only ask because I feel like we both really miss each other because it's been a while since we've actually worked together. We went from like seeing each other on camera damn near every day to like not. <laughs> so we're both still grieving, okay? Um, yeah. But I joke because um, I, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I went to the White House in May and uh, met Selena Gomez, and Zach is a huge fan. And um, among other celebrities, <laughs> we won't have that debate here today, but uh, Selena, if you're listening, Zach really loves you. <laughs> he lives in Lancaster. Go see him. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, assume, I, I assume while you were there, you told her I said hi, right? I did for sure. Yeah, okay, that's cool. we're besties now. You know, <laughs> I'll relay the message every chance I get. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. Sorry, Anna, if you're listening, please don't be jealous. You know, very platonic. <laughs> hey, it's Selena Gomez. Sorry. Yeah, seriously. Um, but no, I I really appreciate you. You've taught me so much, and and we've been vulnerable together. And um, you know, I've grown a lot uh, since you and I have, have met and, and so grateful for you. So I appreciate you. Thank you for, for being vulnerable. Thank you for showing up today. I know that this is definitely out of your comfort zone and <laughs> it doesn't do your anxiety any favors. So I really appreciate you and 
you know, I really, I really am hopeful that someone who's listening is going to take away some, some really good, um, you know, gems from, from this uh, podcast today. So thank you. I appreciate you. I, uh, I appreciate you as well. Thank you for having me on. And yes, my natural, very introverted self um, had to spend a lot of time getting the energy to do this. And I might, you know, not talk to anybody for a couple of days after this to recover, but <laughs> no, it's been, it's been great. I think there needs to be more conversations about this stuff. Um, like I said, I am no expert in, in, in any of these areas, but um, I'm willing to, to learn and listen because I want whether it's uh, improving my mental health or, um, you know, being able to work with, be supportive of, um, marginalized communities, whatever it is, um, there's so much that I can learn. And I just appreciate these conversations, you being vulnerable and, and sharing, uh, but also being uh, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're intentional in the, in the way you do things. And that's appreciated. You, you, you speak your mind and it helps all of us. So please keep doing this. Please keep uh, saying the things that you've been saying and doing the things you've been doing. Uh, you are going to change the world one day. I know it. Oh, I appreciate you. Believe it or not, I'm introverted too, and I crawl into a hole after these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, you are not alone on that one. But thank you so much. That's a wrap, y'all. This has been another episode of Sasong y Corazon. I hope you've enjoyed. Um, please let us know if this was helpful for you. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, you can find Zach on LinkedIn. I'll put that in the description of the episode. But this is, won't be like, wow, I'm so like flawed that I <laughs> keep mumbling my words. This won't be the last time that you'll hear about Zach. And um, there's going to be some really awesome projects in the future. And, you know, y'all look out for that. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Appreciate y'all.